Hey, what's up, goal getters? Welcome back to another super exciting episode of the Daily New Year's podcast. I'm your host, Austin Bollinger, and I'm so excited today because this episode takes us across the pond to the great city of London. Joining us today is Thomas Zviktorka. Thomas is a professional life coach, speaker, award-winning entrepreneur, and the founder of OK Is Not Enough. The core philosophy he uses to coach professionals and entrepreneurs to help them raise their standards of performance and lifestyle so that they can create the results and life that they can really be proud of. Thomas has coached hundreds of clients, including industry leaders, billionaire entrepreneurs, CEOs, rising stars in global corporations, and influencers at the top of their game. He also often works with ambitious professionals who are just at the beginning of their professional development journey. What all of his clients have in common is that they have this unshakable feeling that they're capable of so much more than what they have achieved thus far. And Thomas's natural, down-to-earth and direct coaching style helps propel them into new levels of success. Thomas has been featured in various podcasts and publications such as GQ and Vice and has been a guest on several podcasts, including The Unconventionalists. He is a mentor for The Threshold Accelerator, a 12-month business development course for startup entrepreneurs run by Dent Global, who are world leaders in business training. He is currently writing a book that aims to break people out of settling for an okay life, and it is due for publication in December of 2019. So, Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Cool, brilliant. Hey, listen, let's let's dive let's dive straight into it. I'm ready when you are. Um, you know, we've already heard kind of your 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 professional credentials and your background based on the the bio that I just read, but I was wondering if you might tell us a little bit more about yourself as a person and what drew you to do what you're doing. Okay, great, great question, Austin. So I have got into personal development about 13, 14 years ago, where I um, found myself uh, working catering. So clearly, you know, I live in the, in the UK, in London, and I'm not from here, as you can probably you know tell by my accent. And I was in the UK for about two years at the time, or three years. And so I was in my early 20s and getting all kinds of jobs mostly in catering and at some point i was working in an investment bank not as a banker but as in a catering like an internal catering company and i was the trolley boy and so what that means that i had a trolley with drinks and sandwiches and i was pushing it through the floors and and all these you know bankers and traders and and, and brokers were buying it from me and i was looking around and i was maybe 23 and i'm thinking what am i doing with my life like mm-hmm. some of these guys are not much older than me. They're clearly not from here either. And they have, you know, they look like they were, you know, making great money and, um, you know, the lifestyle and everything. And I thought, you know, I, I need to do something with my life because I was just coasting. I was um, settling for what was comfortable. And that's what got me into personal development. And I was studying that for a few years. And then I wanted to, um, can do something a little bit more related to it on pro- professional level. I love in-person development, so that pointed into uh, into psychology. So I went to university, I did my degree in psychology, and, and throughout that I started to realize, as much as I love psychology, I started to realize that, okay, I don't want to be a psychotherapist because it can be quite dark and heavy. 
Um, and right. kind of the prospect of that wasn't uh, that great either. And I didn't want to be clinical psychologist and there are lots of other branches. But I was thinking, okay, well, what do I want to do after that? Because at that time I was getting close to my you know, being 30. And I felt the pressure of you know, doing something uh, serious with my life. And so I thought, okay, what do I, what do I love? I love helping people. I love working with people. I love personal development. I love psychology. I love uh, kind of working on myself because at that time I already progressed in my career, became a manager in, in that catering company or studying in the evenings. Um, and all that pointed in, you know, towards coaching. Right. Um, and I also important part of that was I didn't want to have a boss. I wanted to have my business. And um, so that pointed towards coaching. By the time I wasn't even sure, is it is it real? Is it can I make a living with that? Yeah. You know, with the idea of, you know, is the reality of actually being a coach is there anything anywhere near to what I what I thought it would be? And so there was a very important moment for me when I decided. I thought, you know what? I'll give it a year of my total commitment. And I will see where I'm going to be in a year because I, I wasn't naive or, or yeah, like it's naive thinking that, you know, I'll try it and, and, and in two months I'll be making a ton of money. I'll be successful right. coach. And so, so I started learning about coaching, reading books, um, you know, I signed up for some courses and I started offering um, people to kind of help them because already I knew a lot about personal development. I was kind of working on myself and, Say transforming my own life for about six years, and so I had good deal of credibility, and I've always been kind of the go-to person because I've been quite driven and and um, creative and had lots of ideas, and so I started coaching for free. I was coaching for free for six months. Um, I was coaching for free because I wanted to make sure that I am providing some value before I even ask for, for money. And I can tell you this, those free clients, I always say, always say that, these free clients was the, were the worst clients I've ever had. They were amazing people, but right. the worst clients because there was no commitment on their part. There was no buy-in. They had no, yeah, there was no, they had no skin in the game. Yeah. And so they were so tough, so hard. And it was beautiful the first year, even you know, after that, I would coach anyone on anything, right? And I could tell you there was, a lady from Scotland, I was coaching via Skype just by by uh, um, messaging because she um, was mute and deaf. And so I, she reached out to me for coaching and I was thinking, how am I going to coach her? She can't hear me and, and she can't speak. But I said, you know what, whatever, let's, let's do messaging. And we did. We had a few sessions. She found it very useful. And I would just take anyone. That's right? amazing. And so that, that's kind of how I started. And, you know, I've been coaching for six years now. Um, and and it's, quite, it's quite nice to look back and, and, and reflect on the, on the rough times. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. have I answered the question? Absolutely, absolutely. I just wanted to <laughs> know a little bit more about you and, and what drew you to the life coaching and, and just the professional coaching. Um, because, you know, I was reviewing your website and you've got this message and I think you kind of said it, you've got the message. Okay. Is not enough. And you said, you know, yeah. you were working as the trolley boy and you were just kind of doing what was comfortable. 
um, and you were almost settling for okay. And so is that what inspired okay is not enough? Can you tell us a little bit more about that, that, that message? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when you look around and it depends, depends where, uh, where you live. Uh, for example, London, uh, that's where I live. It's quite competitive and full of driven people, but look, the human nature is to be comfortable. That's right. the evolutionary drive that we, we have. It makes sense when you, you know, being, com- being comfortable means being safe and having some resources and it takes minimum amount of energy. Um, but being comfortable is rarely happy and fulfilling. And when you look around, uncomfortable means okay. You know, and there are many people out there who live okay life. And I get to talk to many, many of them as a coach and people come here and, and they say, you know what? There is there's nothing really broken with my life, but I'm just not happy. And I'm not sure why. And sometimes they know why because they're in jobs that, okay, they pay well, but they're not enjoying what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or in, in in relationships or kind of the lifestyle is, is comfortable, it's okay. But what's problem? what's the problem with okay is that people that feel okay, they have this unshakable feeling of they of knowing that they could do so much better if they really apply themselves right they feel that they have potential they have reserves right to do so much more in life and it's so hard to live with the feeling trying to ignore it right because i think one of the worst thing in life um or worst feelings in life is regret and it always freaked the hell out of me when like the idea of that i would be at the end of something at the end of life looking back and when you can't like, change things you can't do much you know and thinking oh i should have done i should have tried harder right and that, that's been um, especially this kind of grew in me when i started at university uh, and i always uh, was preparing for the exams to the point that I, regardless of the outcome regardless of the mark i wanted to know that i've tried my best all right. Maybe I didn't pass or maybe I didn't get as great grades as I wanted. But as long as I know that I've tried my best, I'm happy. All right. Yeah. And and funny enough, I, I was getting really good grades because I just tried my best. Yeah. And this applies to life as well. Right. Like no one can be pushing 100 percent all the time. But I think that we have we live in such an amazing world where there are so many opportunities. People can start businesses with almost anything. Right. People can have. That, that, that jobs that are available, um, there's just so much opportunity. And there's no reason for anyone to just be getting by and coasting and just settling for something that is much less than what they what they feel they're capable of. I always tell people, at least try. Give it a go. Give it a year and see what you can squeeze out of, out of it or out of yourself. And yeah. once people start applying themselves and they start seeing results, they grow as a person or they, they progress in their job or their relationships get so much better, their life improves. It, it gives you the kick and the belief and trust and enthusiasm that um, they're just encouraging you to do more. Sometimes we just need to believe that, that we can do better. And once we see the evidence of that, um, it kind of it sparks some, something up. Yeah. So what do you think keeps people from taking that leap? So I have, I have this, this kind of, you know, the okay is not enough. I have a little diagram that where if you imagine the, 
in the OK, the OK is in the middle. If you imagine like in three levels, right? On the top, I call it the, um, you know, the winning zone. That's when, when you're kicking ass in life, when life is what you want it. It doesn't mean that's easy. It doesn't mean that it's, it's you know, uh, flawless, but you're doing what you love. It's fulfilling. Right? And it's so much easier to stay up there because, uh, you know, to do well, because you're, you're riding the wave of, uh, kind of the emotions and success and the results and it's really great so that that's good but what's um oops, what needs to be there it's the why it's the it's the excitement right that, that gets us that pulls us to the top so that's the first thing that is often missing people are not very clear on why they want to improve mm-hmm. their life their, their role their career and things like that and that's the first thing and at the bottom of the of the kind of three levels, the, the bottom level, is uh, I call it the rut, where when you're in a rut, life is so bad that you, you know, the question whether you feel like doing something about it or not is irrelevant. You just, you just in so much emotional, physical pain that you just do something about it, right? So what that means is that, you know, why people get stuck in the middle, in the okay, is because they either are not inspired uh, to do better, they don't believe, that they could do better, or they don't know, you know why they should do better, and they're not in enough discomfort to do something about their current situation. And I call the okay zone is the zone of tolerable discomfort, which oh, means that wow. life sucks, but it doesn't suck enough to do something about it. It's tolerable, like you said, yeah, 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 to- yeah, tolerable discomfort. So yeah, people get stuck in the okay zone because they are too comfortable with w- with what it is now. Because as humans, you have this amazing ability to get used to anything. Right, yeah. And whether it's amazing, like, hey, look look at that, people who have billions and billions of money, and they, you know, it doesn't feel any special to them. Right. Because they've just experienced it long enough. Because, yeah, of course, hey, I have 17 cars and five mansions, and, uh, yeah, it's just normal, right? Yeah. There are people who live in terrible conditions, right? And they... And they get used to it as well. Almost after some time, it just becomes a norm. Mm-hmm. Right? So for many people, wherever they are, if they're in the okay zone, kind of being unhappy or tolerably uncomfortable, it just became sort of default. And one thing that people need to do to get unstuck is to zoom out and see the situation for, kind of for what it is and reset the um, or reposition the standards um, they hold for themselves. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a long-winded answer to no. I love <laughs> to your it. Question. Yeah, I think so many people don't know what they what they don't know, and they don't know what's possible. Uh, you know, you assume those millionaires and billionaires were just maybe born into that, or they didn't work for it, or there's no way I could do that because I don't have the skills. You know, self-limiting beliefs, and and so you just accept that norm because you don't see a way out of that norm. And I think that's why coaching and personal development is so important because, you know, it really gives you an insight into what's possible. Uh, I think Tony Robbins said when he was a young man, he had no mentors, he had no um, sphere of influence that he could draw from. And so I think, I forget the number, but he read like 700 books over the course of like five or six years because that's the only place he could draw influence and expand his sphere of knowledge. And that's what helped him see what's possible out in the world. And there's no way I could read 700 books. I'm too slow of a reader and I've got, you know, attention problems. Um, But, you know, 
people need to look and see what's possible out there in the world, whether that's through coaching or podcasts or YouTube channels, uh, because we are capable of so much more as people if we can give ourselves the kick in the butt, you know, to to go for that. Totally. Absolutely yeah. true. So if, if you know, Daily New Year's, uh, my platform is all about kind of not pursuing New Year's resolutions, but pursuing daily improvement. Um, I, I used to wait until New Year's and set one big goal, uh, like most people do. And then, you know, January, February, sometime in, you know, early year, the momentum and the passion and the drive wear off. And then you kind of coast through the rest of the year on autopilot and go, well, there, it, there's always next year. And in 2017, I got tired of that. I got absolutely tired of mm -hmm. it. And so that's when I started exploring goal setting and, you know, quarterly goals, weekly goals, daily goals. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm all about is how can we achieve more in our lives through daily goal setting and daily improvement. And so, uh, you know, I know looking at your website, you've got a whole page dedicated to your annual goals. And that, my friend, is <laughs> yeah. like next level accountability uh, putting that out there. And I see, you know, I watched your YouTube, your uh, YouTube video, you know, you're, you, you admit when things aren't going as quickly or as planned, and you've got your green check marks here for when you've, you've accomplished something. And so I think you are an absolute inspiration when it comes to someone like me, who's obsessed with setting goals, because, you know, I have four or five goals for the quarter, and I break those down into weekly and daily objectives. But wow, you, you've got them, you know, by category, you've got your business category, you've got your coaching, your profile, your values, all these different things. How do you juggle so many goals all at the same time? Okay, great question. Before, before I answer that, I just want to say, hey, Austin, I just want to acknowledge you for um, uh, all the work that you've done, you know, in terms of goal setting, having the website, sharing that value with people, um it's amazing and you said that you have this kind of obsession with god it's a beautiful obsession it's a beautiful <laughs> beautiful obsession to have and um so how do i juggle all these goals well what well, year is a long time Absolutely. and i uh i'm quite strategic about the goals that you, you're totally right so i have goals in different categories so for example for a business i um, new year for me, it's, it's kind of big thing where I sit down at the end of the year, do a big reflection. It almost takes a whole day, kind of do a big reflection on all the progress that I've made in the previous year, goals I've accomplished, where I, you know, came short, where um, I didn't do as well as I should have, uh, where I maybe was being, being a little bit lazy or even scared, and I look into the future and think, okay, what do I want to? and need to accomplish this coming year. And so there are goals of, as you said, business and coaching and personal development and, and fitness and health and all these things. And I, how do I juggle them? I'm good at like every single day I sit down and I plan, I kind of look at my, look at my goals and I've, I've been broken down into kind of smaller chunks as well. And I, and I think, okay, I have this much time. I have like say two or three coaching sessions. I have this much time in between. What can I squeeze in? Right? What can I fit in that I can make progress on today or this week? And I also do like weekly planning and monthly planning. So there's a lot of planning and strategizing. Mm -hmm. And you have to when you have that many goals. And mind you, some of the goals I haven't even started with yet. 
because um, for logistical reasons or also I just, for example, now I'm training for the London Marathon, right, which is in, yeah, I think, 10 or 11 days. And it's I've been training for four months now, and it's I totally underestimated how much time it will take because it's just so much running. Yeah, <laughs> I love running. <laughs> I love running. But so I've done this year, I've ran around 900 kilometers already. And I'm no professional runner, it's a, a, a hobby. But so that's probably 90 hours of, you know, that, that it took, plus kind of before and after is more. I would say maybe 150 hours. I totally underestimated. I'm kind of looking forward for it to be over so I can go <laughs> back to, I can reclaim these hours because honestly, it's maybe 10 hours of running a week. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to, multitask when i'm running i'm listening to audio books sometimes i'm on treadmill so i'm watching um udemy courses and things like that just to because if you have three hour run oh yeah it can get a little bit it can get a little bit boring right and so the way i think the way to juggle goals and hey it's totally okay to have i don't know two goals for the year right it's totally fine um someone you know not everyone has to have 50 goals but um i think what's really important is that you regularly checking in with your goals definitely doing monthly reflections and kind of planning i do weekly as well when i sit down on sunday with a cup of tea and just uh very british and i um <laughs> reflect on the goals reflect on the last week how much progress i've made look at i got a bit of it, like a chart that plans out the whole year where i need to be with certain goals am i falling behind am i ahead Am I, um, do, do I need to change things? Do I need to postpone with some goals uh, or postpone some goals? And so it takes just strategizing. Uh, to be honest, it's not that complicated. It just, it's just commitment. Yeah. I, I love you're talking about reflection because last year that became new to me. Um, so I was writing down my goals, but I wasn't checking in on them frequently enough. And, you know, a week or two would go by and you would realize, or I would realize, wow, I haven't done anything towards that goal in two weeks. And so I love using Michael Hyatt's full focus planner. It's a 90 day uh, quarterly planner and it does exactly what you said. So at the end of each week, there's a reflection page where you can reflect on your big wins from the week. Um, what maybe didn't you do so well? Uh, what could you do better in the week coming ahead? And then you plan out your big three for the week ahead. And so mm. I do that as well. You know, I try to plan out my my goals for the week on Sunday or maybe Saturday um, with a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, reflect because cool. most people are moving from thing to thing to thing with little acknowledgement about what they've done well. You go through a whole week and you may not feel like you've gotten anything done but if you really sit down and look backwards and reflect, you're like, man, you know, I did this and I did that. And uh, I set up an interview with Thomas. That was a win last week because, you know, that's a cool thing. Um, and so I sit and reflect on all these things. And it gives me inspiration and energy going into the new week, realizing that, hey, I got a lot of stuff done last week. I may have missed the mark on this one, uh, but I did these seven other things. And so, mm. you know, and, and you said you've got all these these goals you haven't started yet. I think that's important for people to realize, too. Just because you have 50 goals for the year doesn't mean you have to do all 50 at the same time. And so that's why I break them down quarterly. I go, OK, what what five things am I doing this quarter? Um, and some people, you know, I work with a, a girl that, 
has all these things she wants to do, but she doesn't know what order she wants to do them in. And so she hasn't Mm. quite started any one thing yet. And so I encouraged her, you know, I said, picking, picking the one thing you want to do doesn't mean you're not going to do the other nine. You're just not going to do the other nine right now, or, you know, whatever those numbers look like. And so I think, I think it's awesome that you have so many goals, uh, and that you're, you're working towards a certain set of goals each time. Uh, I, I wanted to add something about the goals. It's interesting that something we, we talked about earlier, um, you asked me about the process. When you started talking about it, I realized that I didn't quite describe how I do the planning because, yeah. again, I just, I've been doing it for so long that it, I almost feel like, yeah, pe- people probably know this anyway, or people should almost know it intuitively, mm-hmm. right? And so just just very quickly, what I do, I sit down and I look at the um, first thing I, I, I write, a few things that I'm grateful for because it will refocus your mind on the positives and, you know, how, how your life is great and it'll put your mind into, into the right, you know, in the right state. And I ask myself questions like, um, you know, what am I grateful for? What's, what's going really well in my life right now? What am I proud about myself? What am I proud of? in my life? What am I focused on? What am I committed to? Questions like this. And then just as you described, I um, look at the you know, previous week or month and I ask myself, what went really well and why? Right? The, the, the why is so important because we can say, oh, last last week, for example, uh, two new clients, or you could say I recorded five episodes of my podcast, which mm-hmm. may be you know, more than usual. But when we ask ourselves, okay, why? How, how did I contribute to that? How did I make it happen? It will help us identify what, what is it, what was it that we actually did that made a difference? And when we know what made the difference, we can replicate that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And then same question I ask myself, what didn't go well and why? And same thing, you know, maybe I wasn't as you know, committed. So I got distracted or, you know, maybe I didn't own the situation as much as I should have. And okay, and what can I? How can I fix it next time? What can do? What can I do about it? So, and you'd be amazed, or maybe your listeners, you know this, but your listeners will be amazed. Like if you do this regularly, how fast you start improving because you build it on your strength. Are you connecting, uh, correcting the things that you know you do wrong, and the growth just go like you you improving exponentially every week, every month. Absolutely. So that's that's kind of how I how I do it. Because I used to run a lot um, in in the past, and then I took a break and got back into it. And this this marathon thing, it was on my mind for the last maybe four or five years. And I always uh, missed the um, uh, kind of the sign up, um, oh, okay. you know, uh, period, which which is literally a few hours. And forty thousand places are gone in a few hours. Wow. I was out in a session. I, for, I, I forgot. And 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 this year, uh, this may be good good idea. A uh, good, good thing to share uh, with your listeners and, and with you. I missed the deadline as well this year, right? And I was thinking, actually, a couple of my new clients, uh, two ladies, they were saying, oh, you know, independently, they said, oh, I, I signed up for a marathon and I'm running for a charity. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And so there is an, kind of another way to join with even a better cause than just running for myself. I can run for charity and yeah. fundraise some, um, you know, some money. And so, mind you, this was like November, December, and I went online and there's a bunch of charities, but most of them out of 50 charities, the, the spaces were gone. And there were like two or three left where um, 
or maybe more, I think five. And I kind of went through them and some of them I kind of didn't connect with as much as, as I wanted to. There was one children with cancer charity and I messaged them. They still had some spaces and I messaged them and they called me back. And this lady was saying, hey, you know, we have a couple of spaces left. I'd like to kind of interview you. Why do you want to run for us? You know, how much do you think we could fundraise and, and so on and so forth. And so we had a quick chat and it was great. And she said, okay, well, we will let you know in a couple of weeks whether we've decided that you'll be one of the ones who take um, uh, one of the last uh, spaces. And I, I live by this kind of mantra that there's always more that you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I was, we finished the phone call and I was sitting here and I was thinking, I don't want to just leave it to kind of a luck of a draw, like whether I will be the one that gets the space. So I sat down and I wrote an email and I was in the email, I explained why I don't want to, why I want to run for them and how much, um, that, that, you know, when I'm preparing that I'll be documenting my preparation, my trainings, and that will bring a lot of attention to their charity. And I uh, described that, you know, big network and things like that. And I sent them the email and I got response the next day and they said, Hey, that's amazing. We would love that. Uh, we would love to give you one of um, one of the uh, places. That's awesome. And so, and I, that's what I always encourage people: like, think about whether you've tried your best. Is there more that you can do? Because most people will do just what's required, kind of the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And if you push yourself, if you're creative, if you try a little, you know, a little harder than than the most, then you will get better results. Simple as that. And so, yeah, it's in 10 days time. I'm super looking forward to it. Uh, I had I've quite ambitious goal to finish under four hours. I think it should be possible, but uh, I've definitely done my training. So let's hope. So is a marathon, the four, how many kil- kilometers is that? 42? So, so it's 42.2, yeah. 42.2. That That's amazing to me. My, I'm built more for lifting weights. And so I've had a lot of goals in powerlifting and weightlifting. Uh, but now I'm trying to run a half marathon. I just started training a couple weeks ago and I'm doing mm-hmm. three mile runs and they are hurting. They are hurting. So to, to, for you to run, you know, as much as you're running 10 hours a week, that's incredible, especially running for a cause. Uh, there's a there's a guy here local to where I live that um, he's he's running a marathon for St. Jude's Children Research, which is also kids with cancer, children with cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he fundraises along with that. And every year he raises more money than the year previous because now he's almost kind of known for doing that. And I think running is one thing. Running's hard. But when you're running for that purpose, I think, you know, it's, it's like you said earlier, you're connecting with a why. You have a, a strong why that's above and beyond yourself at this point. And so yeah, I, th- I think you'll hit that four hours or under for sure. So one of my other questions actually is two, but I'll combine them. So one of, one of the questions was, what tips and tricks or strategies do you have someone, would you offer to someone who's brand new to goal setting? And another one of my questions was, what's the number one tip you have for successful goal setting? So based on everything you've just said, I think I know the answer, uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So obviously setting goals, identifying you know what the goal is, is it's the first step. The second step would be really digging deep into why why do you why is it important why do you want to work on this on this goal like for example running a marathon or maybe you have a goal you know weightlifting why do i want to deadlift whatever 200 pounds or 300 pounds <laughs> clearly i don't know much about powerlifting right? <laughs> um because the why is what will 
what will keep you going when you don't feel like it? Right? And you said it before, when the why is bigger than yourself, when you can extend your why just beyond your own needs and wants and desires. So for example, if someone wants to get a you know, promotion or a better job, or I don't know, stop drinking, whatever it might be. And um, you know, I work with people like that. And when we start digging into it, it's not about it's not about them. It's about people who are dependent on them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if they got a better job, for example, what how they how much better they could provide for their family, how they would feel, how you know, his so you know their partners could um, could feel about them, and and they could become a role model. And when when you kind of stack all these whys, all of a sudden. The fact that you don't feel like it sometimes, you know, applying for a new job or going to the gym, it's almost like, yes, or what? Right. Gives you a whole new set of uh, perspectives. Absolutely. Yeah. And and accountability is is absolutely essential. Yeah. And it's part of the why, I think, is when when it's just your goal and no one knows, it's so easy to quit. It is. It's so easy to give in to, uh, you know, I don't feel like it. But when you extend your why with, well, because there are people who, who are holding me accountable or people I'm, I'm reporting to in a way. Yeah. It could be a coach, could be could be a friend, could be family. You said the, one of the reasons why I put all my goals on my website is because it creates enormous pressure, enormous accountability. Me as a coach, I want to show that I walk my talk. And trust me, with a lot of these goals, very often I don't feel like it. Sure, but now that that just becomes that becomes irrelevant. So what? You know, that's that's part of being successful. That you have to do lots of things that you don't feel like. It. Right. People who only do what they feel like doing are the people who are just okay. Right. Uh, so I would always I always encourage people to you know figure out some way that you can be held accountable, whether getting a coach or a mentor or sharing your goals publicly or telling your friends about this or you can even um i don't know give your friend or someone you know really well a certain amount of money and say hey if i don't hit the target you can keep the money wow right <laughs> and i used to do that as well i used to do all kinds of things one yeah. client did that with me as well um yeah so i would say the why is so, so important Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of the number one tip I give people too. in addition to actual goal setting strategies. But um, I don't really feel like a goal is set up for success if there's not that strong why uh, behind it. And I know Tony Robbins talks a lot about it. Simon Sinek talks a lot about it. And so it's kind of what everyone's talking about right now, it seems like. But I think there's a reason for that, because I think people who achieve a lot in life, the most in life, they have a reason for it. They're not just doing it just to be doing it. Uh, and they, and they're not achieving success because they have some special gene or skill set. You know, they've got a driving force that's pushing them to achieve what they're achieving. So absolutely. Another thing that intrigued me, because the first time I saw your list of goals, my first question was not only how do you achieve so many goals and manage so many goals, but how do you know when and I think I, I watched one of your YouTube videos, so I think I know the answer to this too. But how do you what, how do you know when you've got too many goals and you're going to be unfocused versus when you don't have enough goals and you're not shooting high enough? Mm, that's a great question. Because it would be easy so, uh, for someone to set one goal and hit that pretty quickly and say, okay, I'm done. 
Um, it could also be quick, you know, pretty easy for someone to set 50 goals and get so overwhelmed and unfocused that they achieve nothing. And so how do you balance that? Mm, that's a really, really good question, Austin. So I would suggest that, look, I've been in personal development for 13 years and I've been, and I started with setting one goal and two goals and short-term goals and I want to get this, you know, this done this week and right. started playing with it initially. And over time, I've developed, uh, I guess, better feel or estimate for what I'm able to get done. And you're totally right. Like if when this is one of the reasons why people quit uh, pursuing their goals because they set too big goals, uh, they set too many goals, and they become overwhelmed. And I'm actually, in contrary to to many coaches out there who say, "Oh, you know, set big, hairy, audacious goals." Um, I would I'd, normally I discourage people from that because it can be it can become so overwhelming. Let's say someone is totally new to entrepreneurship and they say, "I want to create, I want to have a multi-million dollar company," and they're looking at this goal thinking, well, I don't even know where to get an accountant or what needs to be done in this way, let alone running a big company. And it freaks them out. Right. And they get scared and they freeze and they never even get started. So I always tell people, set goals that seem realistic. They should be challenging a little bit. They should be exciting. They should be pushing you a little bit. But you need to believe that you can get them done. Right. right. If, if you don't if believe it, 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 then you're... The hope isn't there. Absolutely. If I set myself a goal to run marathon under two hours, like I'll be like, you know what? what what's the point of even trying? Right. Because it, it's just never going to happen. It's <laughs> it just never going to happen, right? Right. And so um, I think what I would encourage people to do is if they're new to setting goals, then just set one goal and could be just go for the day, sit down with a pen and paper and write down a couple of things or one thing that you need to get done today and get comfortable with having a goal for every day and do it for a couple of weeks and then plan for for the next week. Say, you know what? This week I want to accomplish you know, those five things, for example, and build the momentum because the amazing thing that happens, and I still set my goals, even though I have, I have like online version of that, I still sit down with pen and paper. There's something super satisfying about just ticking the box. You know, I always do a little box and write the goal and I just want to tick the box and cross it off. There's something very, yeah, it's like satisfying about it. And so every time you do that, it gives you a little bit of, a little bit of, um, a little bit more belief that you can, you can do better and that you have control and you gain a little bit more, you grow your self-confidence a little bit. And little by little, you know, you can develop yourself to, Start, you know, setting yearly goals that, that um, you actually pursue and then you, you fulfill and you can have then 50 goals, right? Yeah. And so I would tell people just building, start building it up little by little. It's like a muscle, right? You wouldn't go to gym. You mentioned powerlifting. Um, you wouldn't go to the gym for the first time and put, you know, 150 kilos on bench press and try to lift it. It just, it's right. never going to happen. It will crush you, right? <laughs> Sometimes when you start going to the gym, you just start doing bench press just with a bar. Yeah, right? absolutely. And goal setting is very, very similar. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned self-confidence because Brian Tracy has a book called Goals, and he said the same thing. When you when you set a goal and quit, it actually lowers your self-confidence. You lose, oh, you lose faith in yourself. Uh, but even when you set the tiniest of goals and build momentum, your confidence to achieve more climbs as well. And so... Like you said, maybe after 10 years of goal setting, you are, you know what you're capable of and you're setting 100 goals for the year of, you know, some are small, some are huge, um, but your confidence to achieve them has has grown as well over time. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think self-confidence being tied in with goal setting uh, is so important. And I think a lot of people don't set goals because their confidence is so low to begin with, they don't even believe they should try because I'm just going to fail. You know. Absolutely, totally, totally. And you're right that what you mentioned earlier is that uh, if you set goals and they're unachievable or they're just too big or and too distant, and you and you quit or you fail, it will knock your confidence down a little bit. And this can happen over and over and over again. And then people get to the point that they just um, there's this call it le- learned helplessness. Learn, right? Yeah, learned helplessness. What's the point? I'm, I, you know, I've tried so many times and I never, never, um, you know, accomplished anything. Well, because you set things, you set goals that will take ten years to accomplish. Right. And this is what, one thing about the the big, hairy, audacious goals, right? If if it's a goal that would take five or ten years to to accomplish, then what are you going to do for the five years? Just like be miserable that you haven't accomplished the goal yet. Mm-hmm. Like break it down into yearly monthly weekly daily goals right and you can feel great every single time you tick the box and if it's on a daily basis amazing do that absolutely couldn't agree more so i know that you have a coaching session coming up i want to be respectful of your time um so i'm still i, st- I still have time if you want to chat we still have you know 10 maybe 15 minutes if you want to okay so one question i had then too is i noticed all your goals start with the words i will easily uh, can you explain yeah. the psychology behind that? Sure, absolutely. I learned it from um, a guy called um, Stefan. And the reason why I say that is because language is extremely powerful. And we don't even realize how much we talk to ourselves, how often we talk to ourselves and how much we talk to ourselves. And many people are very unaware of what kind of language they, they use. Right. So the language that we use, the words that we use will affect or will create the feeling that we have around, you know, when we talk to the person about the topic and so on. So if I when I say I'll easily I'll easily run marathon under four hours, right? That that may be the goal. What if I said or set the goal saying I will um, run marathon under four hours and I will struggle, I will cry, I will be in pain. And it, I will be miserable, right? Yeah. You, you're laughing, but I could easily say that. Yeah, absolutely. I could easily say that. It's just I'm using language in a different way. Mm-hmm. And the way, the reason why I use the language, why I say I will easily uh, accomplish this and that, is because every time I go over my goals and I read them, go over them on daily or weekly basis, it primes my mind a little bit in how I think and how I feel about the goal how I feel about, you know, the activities that I need to um, do or participate into in order to accomplish that goal, right? And if if it can make it psychologically 
a little bit easier by 2%, for example, just this little. Well, great. If all it takes is to say I will easily, yeah, and that will make it 2% easier for me, that's totally worth my investment, right? Yeah, and like so, you said, if you review your goals daily, weekly, monthly, and you're and you're actually reading them or reading them out loud, and you start each one with I will easily, it it probably gives you a huge boost of self-confidence and, and your ability to achieve those things, right? Yeah. There's been so much research done in, in, in the field of psychology into the power of language and, and how leading language can be. For example, in, in court, like they, you know, judges are so aware of that and it's just so well-documented phenomenon is that um, as, a, as a, a lawyer or barrister, you cannot use leading um, questions or leading language. And there's this famous psychological experiment where uh, uh, they had uh, car crash witnesses kind of questioned and they were asking them uh, different kinds of questions. Now, let's say one of them, if I ask you, how fast do you think the car went when it crashed or slammed into the, uh, you know, the other car? And you would report, I don't know, maybe 80 kilometers per hour. And if I ask you, how far do you think that the car went when it bumped into the other car? So I'm using slammed mm-hmm. or bumped, right? And when if I use a language that is that you know I was going to say bumped, you would uh, report as an eyewitness, you would report that the car actually went slower, maybe than it did, or definitely slower than when I ask you how car went when it slammed into the other car, right? So right. again, I could say I will struggle to accomplish this and that goal, or I can say I will easily accomplish this and that goal. So it's a I'm just changing the word, very little investment. And if it has even tiny effects on how I feel about the goal, great. Well, I think it's brilliant. I just noticed it and wanted to ask you about it. I think the the, the leading questions and kind of the leading thoughts is, is an aspect I hadn't thought of. And you're so right. My wife watches a lot of uh, police documentaries and stuff. And there are people mm-hmm. in jail because in the police interview they've almost accidentally implied their own guilt because the, the policemen were asking leading questions and, yeah. and they actually planted scenarios in the, the person's mind through those leading questions. So the power of that cannot be um, taken for granted, you know? Mm. And so using that to your advantage, like you're doing, uh, I think is, is completely brilliant. So I know we're, we're getting low on time. The last question I'll ask you here is just something that intrigued me from your website. So you've got mm-hmm. the facts about me section, and I was reading that, mm-hmm. and I think they're all really neat. The one that stood out is you said, I've always thought sleeping is a waste of time, so I learned how to lucid dream to make use of the time while I'm asleep. Can you, A, tell me what lucid dreaming is, and B, why do you want to have those? Right, okay, so... uh I, by the way, now when I do the marathon training, I no longer think that <laughs> sleeping is a waste of time. <laughs> it's a very, very important part of my recovery. But um, I, honestly, I used to, throughout my 20s and, and early 30s, I totally thought that because I'm just so hungry for knowledge and learning. I'm just so excited about the fact that there's just so much information, amazing information out there that we can just now Go on internet and you get it. You learn it. Watch a YouTube video. Read a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always thought, oh, if, if only I didn't need to sleep. There are some people that have this kind of disorder that they, they can't sleep. 
So they just read all night. I was thinking, wow, that would be so amazing if, <laughs> if I had that. And uh, I thought, it, you know, it always intrigued me. I, I was always interested in dreams as such um, because it, it's, it's quite amazing when you think about it. And so lucid dreaming is basically a, a state of mind where you are dreaming, but you're totally aware that it's a dream, but you're still dreaming, right? Okay. And there are different techniques. If you look it up, you know, there are different techniques how you can uh, teach yourself or how you can learn how to gain lucidity during your during your dreams. It's it's actually quite hard. It takes an incredible level of, of dedication. And it took me a couple of years to to be able to have these lucid dreams regularly. And because I'm, I'm no longer so much into it, I do have them occasionally, accidentally, but there are different supplements that you can take to in, induce lucidity and so on. But here is, the, here is what, what fascinated me always about it, is that imagine that you are in a dream, right? And you, you kind of look around and you're in some sort of scenario and you don't wake up. So the first thing that will blow your mind, and it would actually wake you up many, many times before you kind of get used to it, is that how real it looks. It just looks so incredibly real. It's so detailed. And sometimes it's, it, it's even more real than, than reality. It looks a little bit like when you have, um, you know, those new TVs and displays. They're just, the image is just so sharp that it's, mm-hmm. even, it's just weird, right? You can touch different surfaces and it, and it feels, but you know that it's not real. And it really is the kind of playing on your mind. And then the, the, the weirdest thing is, and this always fascinated me, is that when you encounter they call them dream characters so some other people in the dream mm-hmm. right um regardless what culture you're in or you're from uh, where you live universally whoever has explored lucid dreaming around the world is that when you ask the dream figure and i've done it so many times because you're so excited like this is a dream that when you kind of tell them hey this is a dream this is a dream you almost want to have this kind of urge to convince them it's a dream right and they deny it. The people in the dream will say, no, it's, you know, no, it's not a dream. I remember in one of my dreams, like my mom was there and I was saying, my mom, this is a dream. This is amazing. And she'll say, no, don't be silly. It's not, it's not a dream. Or what's even stranger is there's kind of the universal reaction that they kind of wiggle their heads. Really? And so, yeah, it's just like when you talk to them, to the dream characters, they kind of wiggle their heads. <laughs> And it's it's almost always I was always wondering about about that. It's it's almost as if you were not supposed to know, or you, you were not supposed to be lucid in a dream. And here is another level of of the, that always blew my mind. I only a few times had a conversation with the dream character, right, the, the kind of person in my dream. And you can ask these questions if you're lucid enough and aware enough. You can ask what. A, whatever question you want, right? And what blows my mind is that the answers that you get are totally, I would never predict them. I was, I was amazed by the answers, but it's all happening in my mind. I started to say, how can I go ahead? Yes. So, so the, the dream character, you know, supposedly it's still, it's still me, right? It's in my mind. It's my imagination. It's my creation. But you can ask them questions about, I remember I was asking things about universe and I was asking things about, about myself and I was asking questions about them and and the answers that I got is sometimes it just got me like standing there with my, my, my mouth open like wow and I often just woke up 
because it just blew my mind. Once the dream character told me a poem. And, and that and I'm came like, from your mind. When I so woke you, up, you had to know that poem, right? Yeah, but I, it was, I've never heard it before. Interesting. Wow. And it was, it was, it was like, well, it was like eight lines long. It wasn't like, it didn't recite like a long thing, right? Right. But what, so what amazes me is that the answers that you get, it's not something you, you would expect or you would predict. And yet it's supposedly it's coming from you. That's crazy. Right? And there are some, I have some friends and they are super into lucid dreaming and they try to meditate in the dream, which is just a whole nother level. <laughs> but it's like this pro- profound space or state of mind. And the craziest thing is this. Now, hey, I'm, I'm the most rational and down-to-earth person you, you could probably find. So I'm, I don't do any like a woo-woo thing. But what I'm about to say, it's probably a little bit woo-woo, <laughs> is that in the dream, normally when you're in a dream, right, um, you kind of dream and, and you don't know it's a dream, so you you go along with the scenario and with whatever is happening, and someone's chasing you, or you know whatever the scenario could be, and you don't know it's a dream. When you lose it, you you know it's a dream, but when you don't know it's a dream, it just look, you're so convinced that it's real. And what people who are into lucid dreaming, there's a kind of ongoing debate about well, how do we know that this the reality is not a dream, just another level of dream, right? Now you're getting into I mean, like uh, Inception or The Matrix or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have the answer. It looks real to me. But yeah. then again, so it does real it does look real to me when I'm in a dream. Absolutely. So that, that we got a little bit little bit woo-woo there, but <laughs> it's it's a nice thinking exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, anyone who's ever seen The Matrix and understands the principles of that movie, you can't help but wonder, could that in theory be possible? You know, a, hey, a world my that you've invented is, in yeah. your own mind. Yeah. And I always say, hey, look, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 can, I can see the world around me. I, I think I know what's real, but hey, I've been wrong before. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This has been such a great conversation. I've loved every every minute of it. The last thing, you know, I'll ask is, you know, where can people connect with you? So the best place to connect with me would either be my website or my Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm the most. Also, I have a YouTube channel. I'm sure that you'll probably drop links um, somewhere in the, in the podcast, but mm-hmm. it's all my, all my channels is Thomas, T-O-M-A-S, Svitorka, S-V-I-T-O-R-K-A, either .com or just Instagram is my name. And uh, yeah, on my website, I, sh- I share a lot of resources. I do videos, like a YouTube channel. Uh, I share a lot of quotes and in- kind of interesting things about coaching on my Instagram. And, and I would say behind the scene as well in my stories and what life of a life coach is, is like. Mm-hmm. And um, you realize I'm, I'm just a normal person like anyone else. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, so I think this, this these would be the best um, places to, to find me or connect with me. Absolutely. And as you said, I'll drop links to all that good stuff in the show notes uh, on the podcast page. And uh, I will let you get back to your busy, busy day. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I, I had a blast and really enjoyed it. And again, I just want to acknowledge you for everything that you're doing. It takes so much time and commitment and um, and work. So I totally respect you for that. And, um, yeah, and I wish you, wish you a lot of success. And I think you are definitely, you are definitely on that path. 
Well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. It means a lot. And I will definitely be following along with you uh, going forward for sure. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Have a good evening. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye bye. All right. So there you have it, guys and gals. Thomas Victorka in London joining us today for the podcast. That was such an amazing conversation. I got so much out of that. Uh, He's just such a wealth of knowledge, brings a whole new perspective to the world of goal setting. And I, I, like I said, I hope you got as much out of it as I did. So if you did, if you saw value in this episode, please consider sharing it to a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody in your circle. I think goal setting is such a fun and fascinating uh, thing that we can do. And it just sends you on a journey that I think goal setting is just such a, a terrific thing. And I think so many people hold themselves back or they refrain from setting goals because they don't know what they're capable of and they're they're afraid of failure and I'm here to tell you there's nothing to be afraid of start small set some small goals for yourself and as you start racking up some wins in your life you'll set bigger and better goals and you'll continue to grow you'll continue to accomplish more and more and more in your life and it's if you do it it's going to be so so exciting so if you're not already setting goals set one today just pick something you've been wanting to do and set a goal and go do that thing if you already are setting goals but you're not seeing quite the success or the accomplishment that you've been hoping for if you're struggling or you're just you're you know spinning your wheels and you need some extra help visit dailynewyears.com and connect with me there i'm always willing and eager to help anyone who is trying to accomplish more in their lives so connect with me there check out the blog check out other episodes of the podcast and reach out to me because i would be glad to hear from you so until next time take care